You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Latest article up, looking at the steals and value picks by average draft position and rankings. Check those out. I also have the flip side of that. The bus will break down the value picks here on tomorrow's show. We'll go in-depth there for you, uh, what I wrote at Sporting News, looking at the best Players you want to target at certain points in your draft to really take advantage of where they're going and maybe underrated in terms of the industry and drafters. So players that I just like and I like especially because they're available at good spots throughout your draft. So I'll break that down for you tomorrow. A programming reminder here, we have a live fantasy show here for you on Wednesday have fantasy football questions you need answers before draft? Don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts, including myself, will answer your questions live. You can also submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. All right, let's uh, get into what we're going to talk about on today's show. We had 27 teams make their debuts. Yes, we are back with NFL preseason. It's only three games, but we have the action here to break down here for you. So we're just going to go around kind of an updated news and notes segment, but a little twist on that here as we go through 27 teams in the show. So yeah, we're going to get to 27 teams. We already saw the Cowboys and Steelers debut in the Hall of Fame game. They were early, and then we saw the Washington football team take on the Patriots. We broke down Mac Jones, the big year ahead for Antonio Gibson. And then we looked at the Eagles, Jalen Hurts and Dallas Goddard, giving a good tease of what that offense can be. So a lot of those uh, key starters we saw suit up for some of those teams. Not a lot of starters that we saw over the weekend from Friday night through Sunday, but still a lot of things that we observed, a lot of rookie debuts that were much anticipated here. So We'll break that down for you here, and we'll go nine with each segment. So we'll get to 27 teams here, 27 takeaways. So pretty exciting there for you. The Titans didn't play many of their starters. Likewise, against the Falcons here, they didn't do much either. Doesn't really surprise anyone, given Arthur Smith just came from Mike Vrabel. So similar philosophies with the preseason. So not a lot you can see with the Titans. Julio Jones didn't play. Obviously, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, their key offensive players uh, and fantasy football big assets, also not in action. So we're looking at the backup court running back situation for the Titans there in that game against the Falcons. So Vrabel versus Smith. You have Mackay Sargent. He's an undrafted player out of Iowa. Looked pretty good. 16 carries, 58 yards to lead the team. You also had Darrington Evans in there. Jeremy McNichols, he's been around as well. So... Maybe a bit of a changing of the guard or just the way you think about the handcuff situation. Remember, Darrington Evans was hurt, the fine rookie from Appalachian State last year with a hamstring injury. Now he goes into year two with a little bit more experience, better health here. So he clearly is still in line to be the number two 
for Derrick Henry. He should have some value in passing situations as well because Derrick Henry doesn't do that. But Makai Sargent very well could be the number three here. You look at it, I don't know if they'll go to a straight feature situation should Henry be on the shelf. I think you'll see Evans maybe see some key touches there in the passing down situations and that's when he'll be trusted most and he's a pretty good finisher. But you might see Makai Sargent suddenly emerge here as a number three back. So something to watch there developing behind Derrick Henry in Tennessee. That's really all we could look at there from that game because Titans, again, pretty much playing their backups in that one all the way. The Falcons, we didn't get to see their main guys, Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Mike Davis. Uh, we're glad we didn't see them. We want them to stay healthy here. I think the Falcons pretty much indicated who's going to be key by who they didn't play, and I think Kadri Alston was notable that he didn't play yet. Javion Hawkins, the undrafted rookie play, but Alston didn't play. So Alston looks like the guy behind Mike Davis. Davis, Davis remember, good Super sub stint for the Panthers last year, but not a guy that's had a big workload in his past. He's pretty much been a backup bouncing around from the 49ers, Seahawks, some other teams, to then the Panthers and Falcons. So Kadri Allison looks like the guy that's going to be the number two. So a couple of handcuffs in development there. Evans certainly behind Henry with Sargent maybe being number three. And Allison in Atlanta certainly standing out here so far through the training camp practices. They held him out of this game to be careful behind uh, what... They expect from Mike Davis to be the starter. So sometimes you can tell by absence where a team feels strongly about certain players. And uh, Allison certainly someone to watch here because Mike Davis, again, no sure thing. They did go out and sign him. He's going to be the initial guy there. But Allison has some intriguing skill set. He's the guy that kind of survived with Brian Hill and Ito Smith and all those guys gone. So they did like something in him to keep him in the new coaching staff, and that's always a good sign if you can transition offenses as a running back. Let's go to the Bills' backfield. We didn't see Zach Moss. He was hurt. So big opportunity for Devin Singletary to maybe separate. They've been kind of even here. You also have Matt Breida in the mix. I don't think he's going to totally go away here from this Bills committee. There's a chance that Breida may not make the team, but I would think right now with Moss hurting and Breida having a good hold on this offense right now coming in, I think you'll see... Singletary being the main man so far, uh, again, there's going to be a lot of uh, time lost here by Moss. So Singletary looked very good as an all-around back. Would I hang my helmet on any of these Bills back standing out as a feature? No. But you have to see where you can get some value. If Singletary versus Moss is tough, I'm always going to go with the better value. Singletary certainly going later in drafts than Moss at this point. Maybe that'll change with the injury and what we saw from Singletary in that debut against the Lions. Speaking of Lions on the other side of the Bills game... Amon Ross St. Brown didn't get a lot of action, but he's been the best Lions receiver in camp so far. Uh, so we saw a little bit of Tyrell Williams. We didn't see Brashad Perryman there, but Amon Ross St. Brown could have a big-time chemistry here with Jared Goff. And keep in mind, he's a mashup of what Jared Goff had in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. He's a USC product, so a little bit of lineage there to Robert Woods. And then you have the slot versatility there. That's Cooper Cup. So... Jared Goff likes those type of targets. I think after TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, and DeAndre Swift out of the backfield, Amon, say, Amon Ross St. Brown might be the guy that he can uh, trust most there in the middle of the field. Jamal Williams looked pretty solid there as the number two. He's going to get some key touches for sure behind DeAndre Swift. Could be more of a committee, but Williams has done a lot there with the Packers, and it got to that committee approach with Aaron Jones, so you're going to see a lot of that here, I think, playing off DeAndre Swift in Detroit. 
The Cardinals, what are the plans for Rondell Moore? We're not quite sure, but they gave the rookie from Purdue a lot of touches there. So this is not great news if you're trying to get some value from Christian Kirk there and Andy Isabella. I don't think that's necessarily good for either of those guys because there's a bit of redundancy with the skill set. Moore is just actually more explosive than either of those players. And you got to worry a little bit about Chase Edmonds as well because Rondell Moore is a cog that you can put out of the backfield, catch passes there. And really, you can go more than that and say A.J. Green and the other receivers who are not DeAndre Hopkins on this team. So the Cardinals are going to really spread around. They're going to find ways to get more on the field here as a receiver, as a runner. And that's going to hurt everyone involved here. So Moore doesn't have standalone value. Just don't know how consistent the touches are. They seem more sporadic at certain big play opportunities in open field here for the rookie from Purdue. So... Again, it's not looking good if you're going to spread the ball around in this offense with Kyler Murray, but I think that's the intention. And maybe a little less running for Kyler Murray as he throws some short passes into the open field to get some big plays that way from his receivers. And Moore certainly can do all of that for the Cardinals. The next team in action, this was the other team in the Chicago game. That's Miami. The Dolphins, Malcolm Brown actually started this game. He had Salvin Ahmed seek some key touches. So a little bit of concern of Miles Gaskin in his role. But keep in mind... Gaskin was well under wraps last year. Remember, we had Patrick Laird, and we thought Jordan Howard was going to be a guy there, and Matt Breida was in that mix. And what happened? It was the back that we least expected that the Dolphins came out of the gate with. So they're playing their cards close to the vest here. I think Gaskin is still the lead guy here, but you can't sleep on Ahmed and Brown having some key roles in this backfield if they go more committee-like. Key for Gaskin, again, is durability, proving he can stay healthy and handle the workload here. I think he's still the best of the three backs here. Brown has been okay as a scorer, kind of a third down guy because of his pass protection all-around game here. Ahmed had some good moments spelling Gaskin, but I still think Gaskin's the guy and a little bit of a rope-a-dope there with the Dolphins' uh, backfield in that particular game against the Bears. Speaking of Bears, uh, they had the biggest highlight reel of anybody in excitement coming out of fantasy football and reality football. Justin Fields was spectacular, ran excellently in that game scored a touchdown there he ran around to buy time and didn't get sacked threw downfield very well for the Bears as well so we want Justin Fields in that lineup I think he has potential for a QB1 status immediately if he can go the running baseline is really strong for rookie quarterbacks we know that that's really going to help you produce and if he's going to give you an opportunity to run five to ten times a game and he's running pretty well where he can get 40 to 60 yards a game with a chance to score in every game and also make some big plays using Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, the tight ends, and all the weapons he has. Fields is going to definitely produce fantasy football results. So Fields, let's hope he got closer to starting in the eyes of Matt Nagy and he'll drop this Andy Dalton QB1 lock-in here sooner rather than later. The Broncos, uh, Javonta Williams made his debut, much-hyped rookie running back from North Carolina to expectedly displace Melvin Gordon as the key touch guy in this backfield. Uh, the quarterbacks actually looked good. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater spread the ball around, made some good plays, but the Bears were playing very vanilla defense, so there wasn't uh, much to see. I'm sorry, the Vikings were playing more of a vanilla defense. That's what they do with the Mike Zimmer. Same division, different team the Broncos were playing. But yeah, they had their way. They won uh, pretty easily against the Vikings. The Vikings were really sloppy offensively and defensively. So Javante Williams had an opportunity there. Playing off those uh, good receivers. Uh, Jerry Judy looked pretty good as well. But Javante Williams totally looks like the real deal. Five carries, 29 yards in that game. 
Alright, we'll get to the opponent on the other side. It was the Vikings, not the Bears. The Bears played the Dolphins. The Vikings did play the Broncos. Not much to see of the Vikings. They were resting a lot of players. Kellen Mond did play the rookie from Texas A&M at quarterback. He does not look close to displacing Kirk Cousins here in a 2021, and the rushing threat was there for Mon, so there's something to look at should he get in the game at some point and have some significant action in the regular season over Cousins, but not anything to get excited there. The leading rusher for the Vikings, this bread and butter of their offense is not going to go away. It's A.J. Rose. He's a player out of Kentucky, 25 carries, 100 yards, so no Dalvin Cook, no risking with the other backs. You saw a little bit of uh, Amir Abdullah there, but Dalvin Cook, uh, Alexander Madison, still looking like the pecking order, but don't sleep on A.J. Rose, and really don't sleep on this Vikings running game remaining elite here, and that's why we love Dalvin Cook. Near the top of the drafts in fantasy football. All right, there's a look at the nine teams that first made their preseason debuts in 2021 that we hadn't got to yet after fine debut by five of them. That means we have 18 more teams to talk about. Yeah, we'll go in rapid fire, get you across all those takeaways that you need to know, but I do have to... Remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. And we know it's the second half. We also know uh, the postseason just around the corner. The NFL regular season is just around the corner as well. Preseason is here. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NFL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch or kickoff, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their run to the playoffs in MLB and just start their season in the NFL. Head to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code Locked On. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We'll be right back here to uh, continue the show looking at the other takeaways here from all the teams that made their preseason debuts in week one. All right, so we got through nine teams in our first segment. If you missed anything, Titans, Falcons, Bills, Lions, Cardinals, Dolphins, Bears, Broncos, Vikings. Now let's start with the Saints here. And the takeaway from this game, surprisingly, we weren't focused too much on what Taysom Hill and James Winston did in this game. Taysom Hill looked a little shaky, had an interception, had a near other turnover there with with a bad pass against the Ravens. So there was that. James Winston was okay. He took advantage of some of the receivers downfield, but I still think this could be a strange committee starting quarterback here for the Saints. So there's that, but the most impressive player on the field with the key guys resting, we know Michael Thomas far from action, Marquez Callaway. Three catches, 61 yards. We've been thinking about Traquan Smith. We're thinking about Deontay Harris. To some degree, Adam Troutman has a big opportunity with Jared Cook gone, Thomas on the shelf there from tight end, but Marquez Callaway, he's a coaching staff favorite. He's a quarterback favorite. They need to throw to someone downfield. And the Saints team is not going to be dominant defensively. So there's going to be some garbage time in the second half. So the Saints team, I think, is more of a middle-road team without Drew Brees. They lost a lot there defensively. They have a good offensive line and running game. They'll be rather run heavy. But if they're going to go to one guy frequently in the passing game to try to get some big plays, I'd say it's Marquez Callaway. So hot sleeper, deep sleeper, Callaway's going nuts here. As we've seen his ADP slowly rise in the back end of drafts, but certainly someone to keep an eye on there. On the other side of that game, we saw the Ravens, and uh, there's a displacement going on here behind Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson missed the game, just recovering from COVID-19, his second bout with it in as many years. So we know Lamar is also running quarterback and could be in harm's way as well, on top of uh, maybe issues with 
contracting COVID again. Tyler Huntley, the undrafted 2020 player from Utah, has seemed to pass Trace McSorley. He looked a lot better against the Saints than McSorley did. So McSorley had a few moments. I get why they liked him because he has a similar running skill set. But we also saw him in the playoffs when Lamar got hurt. It was not very pretty. So that opened the door for a player like Huntley to step in. And I think he really played well against the Saints. So he's inching towards stealing that number two job. And again, it is a number two job worth watching because it's a very dynamic offense based on running quarterbacks. Huntley has some athleticism as well. So should Jackson miss any time, Huntley might have the keys to a pretty good system here to help his uh, running numbers and uh, produce uh, in the passing game as well. So Huntley over McSorley looks like it's happening here in Baltimore. With the Browns, we didn't see their principal guys for the most part. Uh, Baker Mayfield sat out. We saw Case Keenum there starting for Cleveland. And what we saw from the Browns is uh, their receiving depth. You had Donovan Peoples-Jones. You had Richard Higgins making plays. We didn't see Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. But certainly some depth in that receiving core. You also have the rookie Anthony Schwartz there. So... Mayfield's going to have a lot of options to throw the ball around. DPJ was pretty darn good. And you look at uh, Higgins. He's not going to wear as a key target. You also have a lot of depth at tight end with David Njoku and Harrison Bryant joining Austin Hooper. They've hinted at Hooper seeing more action as well in the passing game. So a lot there the Browns have in the passing game. That's why Baker Mayfield is such a hot sleeper right now to really overcome his uh, 17th finish in scoring a quarterback Last year, really build on that as they open things up in the offense all around here for Kevin Stefanski in year two. On the other side of that, there was a notable debut. There was Trevor Lawrence making his first game action there for the Jaguars. He looked pretty good. I mean, I think the hype is a little crazy. We had him on the do not draft list. I don't want to take him there as a borderline QB1. I I just don't think you're going to get that. DJ Chark didn't play. He's probably going to sit out all the preseason with a finger injury. But he did have a good connection, Lawrence did, with Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Cheneau. He tried to connect with a tight end and a third running back, Carlos Hyde. That didn't quite work out there for him. He had a few errant throws, but he's going to be up and down based on the nature of this Jaguars offense. I think you'll see it being rather conservative. Things come out of play action if they're going to go Lawrence because they can't hold the ball too long and survey the field. We saw that with a couple of bad sacks. There, one on his first drop back in his first NFL action, so... Be careful about drafting Trevor Lawrence. I know there's a lot of hype around him, but again, I'd rather chase Justin Fields if I know he's starting at this point because he's got the strong running baseline and the Bears will allow him to do that where I'm not sure the Jaguars are going to be totally sold on wanting uh, Lawrence getting more hits if he's getting smacked around in the pocket with their shaky protection. The next game we'll flip to is the Bengals and Buccaneers, and this was about the backs and uh, one former Bengal and one uh, current Bengal and Not Captain America, but Chris Evans looked pretty good here for the Bengals. And no Joe Mixon in this game. They've kind of been ambiguous exactly about what Joe Mixon's role is going to be here for the Bengals. So when you look at Chris Evans, this is a guy, sixth round pick they got out of Michigan. And remember, if go back in the day a little bit with the the Rudy Johnson type era, they had Chris Perry. Remember him? A little bit of Chris Perry and Chris Evans. With his use, uh, good all-around back here. Can use him in the passing game. So, Joe Mixon uh, managers, uh, people that are targeting, I think you have to look at Evans being a part of this offense for sure as they had uh, Bernard leaving, Gio Bernard. So, that opens it up here for some uh, passing down, complimentary touches here. So, watch out for Chris Evans being that guy. He got a lot of work here in this game. And there's been buzz about him since they drafted him. A little bit uh, underrated in the draft. Kind of lasted long. 
to think he might be a steal here. So Chris Evans certainly uh, is a thorn maybe inside of mixing it. The worst could be the guy that you want to target in a lot of drafts as a handcuff to Joe Mixon. The Buccaneers, we mentioned Gio Bernard. He moved on from Cincinnati. They moved on from him, really. But Tampa was quick to jump on him. This was bizarre because they had Ronald Jones having a big year last year. Rojo and the flow was pretty good. Uh, You had Leonard Fournette step in, and he was a receiving back out of necessity here because that's not a part of Rojo's game. But Bernard, we expected that Tom Brady might think of him as another James White and so far, the results look like that. It was third down, passing situation. Where did Tom Brady go? Bernard, Bernard. And really, Tom Brady was in the game much. But you could tell that was a big element to get in this offense for him. It really trusted, dedicated receiving back. So that's not good news for Fournette. We already knew Ronald Jones was not going to see a lot of that. But now Fournette is going to have to share the early down work. He's not going to get the receiving work. So if you can live with Ronald Jones being a touchdown guy with a few big games, but very inconsistent, you can look at him as a flex. But... Certainly, Gio Bernard throws a wrench into this where he might have a very dedicated role that could very limit the back production of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. It's starting to become like the Patriots' backfield, to be honest, and that's not a good thing in terms of mining out reliable week-to-week fantasy football value. The next game was the Battle of New York, Jets and Giants. Let's start with the Zach Wilson debut. He was very impressive, I thought. He was in control of the offense. It's a very QB-friendly offense with Michael Floor. We know from the 49ers concepts there. He looked very good. He looked very comfortable with Corey Davis. I've been touting Corey Davis all offseason long. I mean, you don't go out and sign a guy that profiles as a number one, a top five pick, who was very productive, sneakily productive for the Titans opposite A.J. Brown last year as a wide receiver three. I think he finished inside the top 30 wide receivers, whatever format you looked at. So, yeah, Corey Davis is going to be a go-to guy for Zach Wilson. Wilson's pretty confident here. You also have Keelan Cole, very underrated pickup, one of the more underrated pickups of the entire offseason. He can play the slot if you need him, but I think he'll primarily play outside with the options being Elijah Moore and James Crowder inside. We didn't see a lot of another rookie that we're excited about, Michael Carter, the running back, but he looked okay. I'm not quite sure he's going to start over Ty Johnson. But again, the Jets could be being careful with him as well as they turn the page offensively to everything you have. And keep in mind, this is not Adam Gase's Jets. LaFleur and Robert Sala know what they're doing. Wilson looked very comfortable out there. And I can go with Davis and Cole. Davis certainly is the Jets receiver I would like. Especially Elijah Moore hurt right now. Jameson Crowder's role in flux. Cole has to worry maybe a little bit about Denzel Mims, who's totally faded down the depth chart here. But yeah, Davis is the guy targeting there at Carter. And later in the draft, I think you can look at the Zach Wilson, he's going to be available outside the top 24 QBs, but I think he could end up giving you top 20 production at that position based on some of the weapons he has there. So don't sleep on Zach Wilson later in the draft if you're taking him as a second quarterback behind an every week starter that you trust as a veteran or third quarterback to give yourself some options there, platoon and matchups. uh, Zach Wilson's a good target. The Giants uh, didn't show many things with their starters in this game. Against the Jets, you had uh, a lot of uh, Devontae Booker and Corey Clement. And don't forget about Sandro Platzgummer. Yes, an international series guy that they have in the mix. He was looking pretty good. But Booker, Clement, right now I would say Booker is still the guy that you would expect to be number two to Saquon Barkley. That's very important here with Barkley's health in recovery here, hoping to be ready for week one. But we're trying to find some handcuff value. Clement looked pretty good. Booker had his opportunities. 
Plotzgummer, I don't think, is going to make the team here. But Clement, I don't know if a lot of people knew he was on the Giants. So that's something to also watch here. I don't think anything is given to Booker. I mean, Booker was pretty solid for the Raiders as a backup. Didn't really emerge there as we thought with in Denver. But Las Vegas, for sure, he was helpful behind the Josh Jacobs. So we'll see how it uh, plays out here. But Booker has the most experience there. Clement is more of a swing backup. Plotzgummer is just a guy who flashed here and not a guy we're looking at to uh, have uh, a key role or a reserve insurance spot behind Saquon Barkley. The last team we'll talk about in this segment, the Houston Texans. Uh, Chris Conley might be a thing here. We didn't see, of course, Sean Watson, but Tyrod Taylor started. He looked pretty good throwing downfield in this offense. There is an opening here at receiver. We just don't know who's going to step up here after Brandon Cooks. Uh, Nico Collins, the rookie, had some opportunities, but... Good game by Chris Conley, the former Chief. Uh, I think he has an opportunity to do a little bit more. Not a very good stint with the Jaguars here, but Conley, I've always liked his talent. He's got good speed, quickness, athleticism out of uh, Georgia. We'll see if he can step up and have a role here, but certainly things have opened up because Anthony Miller, the newcomer, as they said goodbye to Randall Cobb, that's more thinking about the slot. But Conley, they're looking for the number two outside that could help Brand Cooks most. Collins may not be totally ready, the rookie from Michigan, so... Look out for Conley, maybe having a bigger role than you think, but we've went down this road before. It's really hard to expect a good value from Conley, even though he can flash a little bit. That's what he tends to do in the preseason and then kinds of fades. But there's certainly an opportunity for some uh, targets there in Houston. We will get to the last nine teams that made their preseason debuts that we didn't get to get here from week one, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. We'll do that in our final segment, but... I do have to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? It's really hard to decide, but they have nine delicious core flavors, plus the original, occasional limited time flavor that you can check out. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar core flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salt, and caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor, I lean towards the chocolate one, so I like mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate. It's... One of my favorites, there's also a German chocolate that you can check out from time to time. If you haven't tried all the flavors that make up the core Built Bar flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of the nine flavors. Built Bar flavors are the best tasting, but they're also healthy for you too. Most flavors have 17, 18 grams protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing core flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and always look out for those special flavors. Order today. And get whatever you like there at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This episode of Lockdown Fantasy Football is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a car dealership or chain store? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, more oil, and even new carpet. I was looking for a side mirror cover for my Ford C-Max. They had that. I was looking for a new console middle for my Honda Accord back to 2009. Guess what? They had it there at rockauto.com. Easy for me to find. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. 
Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car. Track right locked on there. How'd you hear about its box so they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Find them at rockauto.com. All right, let us uh, continue and close the show. So where we left off, the Texans played the Packers, and we'll talk about their side of that game in the preseason. We didn't see Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love struggled a little bit, got hurt. I'm interested in more other backups that stepped up. Kylan Hill looks like he's cemented the third job here over Dexter Williams. So we know it's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones. We know uh, A.J. Dillon is going to be the clear number two, replacing Jamal Williams. But it's only look at Kylan Hill with some good speed, some Good quickness, uh, good uh, patience here as a runner. Good runner from college. I really liked him, but Kylan Hill is going to settle for no higher than third on this chart, but something to keep in mind should things happen with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Keep in mind, Dillon is also not a big-time receiver. The way that Jones is, uh, that's a little bit different from uh, Jamal Williams. The capacity there in the passing game is different for Dillon. A little bit of a drop-off there, so Kylan Hill... We'll see. Nothing to get excited about or see there, but clearly in the driver's seat to be the number three back behind Jones and Dillon. Devin Funches, remember him? He was out of action for the Packers last year, but he's back. He's bounced around. We know that. The former Panther, he's been with the Colts and some other teams trying to stick, but not uh, materialized yet. So there's an opportunity there. Catch radius on the outside that they can trust Opposite uh, Devontae Adams, we know we'll see some big plays from Alan Lazard and Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Amari Rogers is a versatile cog now, the rookie from Clemson. So look at that, and uh, Randall Cobb, but now reunited with uh, Rogers in the slot. So there's not a lot of opportunities maybe for Funches to have a key role here, but certainly he could step into something more valuable here with Cobb dedicated slot to uh, displace either Alan Lazard or MVS as a more reliable person on the field there with Adams and Cobb. Then we'll flip over to the Chiefs-49ers game. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got some pretty good work. He looked solid. Jarek McKinnon might be in the running to be his uh, new top backup. He read Darwin Thompson there, but they say goodbye to Damian Williams. So a little bit of open door there. Edwards-Hilaire going to year two. McKinnon has a very similar skill set in terms of the way he runs and can catch passes for the Chiefs. So don't sleep on McKinnon. Finally healthy away from that uh, 49ers time. It was an absolute disaster transitioning from the Vikings. To have in a key role maybe in Kansas City. The 49ers had uh, two trays. Yep, two trays. Uh, so a deuce of trays going at it. And uh, these two rookies are special. I think it's going to be the Trey Lance, Trey Sermon offense pretty soon. Trey Sermon looked excellent as a runner here with Raheem Mostert sitting out the game. They also didn't have uh, their left tackle, Trent Williams. They didn't have George Kittle at tight end. They didn't have center Alex Mack in there. So Really some limitations around the running game, but Trey Sermon still looked darn good here and justified being the better pick in drafts a little later than uh, Mostert is in Jeff Wilson Jr. for that matter in 2021. Trey Lance had the big play, 80-yard touchdown there that was impressive on his second drive. Didn't run a lot, didn't inspire there, but I think they were holding him back a little bit. Really inaccurate, but I wouldn't be scared about it. I would focus on the big play that happened. He also had a 34-yard Catch and run connection he had with the backup tight end Charlie Warner out of his own end zone. Essentially, he was at the one yard line. So, good stuff by Trey Lance. He has a lot of upside ceiling. Will he get in there earlier? I feel good about Justin Fields having convinced the Bears' mind to change here, especially Matt Nagy. Kyle Shannon's a harder one to figure out as well as Bill Belichick of the Patriots and Mac Jones, but I'm pretty confident now that 
that Fields is going to start there along with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Trey Lance, I think, still has to do a little bit more to earn that starting job and really be trusted more in fantasy football. But, yeah, if Fields is starting for sure, it's trending that way, and the 49ers are a little bit ambiguous with Lance, then I think for sure Fields is the much better pick early because they have similar baselines with their running ability for fantasy football scoring. The next game that we went to involves a former Bay Area team, the Raiders, and a team, another team from the NFC West, the Seahawks. The Seahawks had B.J. Dallas look pretty good. Remember, he was a pretty good fill-in last year when needed for Chris Carson. I know Rashad Penny's back, but not a guy you can trust to stay healthy. So D.J. Dallas could carve himself a pretty good role here behind the off-injured Chris Carson. Penny's still injured here, so watch out for D.J. Dallas not going away from this backfield just yet with the new Offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. The Raiders were rest happy with their players here against the Seahawks, but interesting that neither Josh Jacobs or Kenny Drake got some touches. That would suggest they're being very protective, those guys. There's going to be key parts of everything they do. Drake is kind of a wide receiver, running back hybrid who catches a lot of passes. Josh Jacobs is going to cross over and do some of that as well, but be the main workhorse guy here in early downs, touchdown opportunities, and all that. So protecting Jacobs and Drake a lot, I think they're going to be the bread and butter of the Raiders' offense. Now let's look at uh, the All-LA game, the Chargers and the Rams. Now the Chargers and Rams, Brandon Staley, just like we saw with uh, Arthur Smith following the, the suit of Mike Vrabel, his former boss, we saw Brandon Staley do a Sean McVay here, the former Rams defensive coordinator, LA-LA game. So a lot of backups there in action. Two rookies that we've been putting on the radar for the Chargers that could have big roles here, Larry Roundtree the third. He definitely looks like the top candidate of potentially to displace Justin Jackson, maybe even have the Chargers cut Jackson to be the guy behind Austin Eckler. They've suggested that they don't want to overwork Austin Eckler there because of the pass catching prowess and uh, third down abilities here. And I know he can be a regular back as well, but uh, that's not uh, Austin Eckler's strength being that workhorse, taking the pounding, scoring in the red zone. So you need a complimentary back. Larry Roundtree could be it. Josh Palmer. Good running to be the third receiver. We'll see how it works out between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Palmer, what role the uh, rookie from Tennessee can have. But Roundtree from Missouri, Palmer from Tennessee, two SEC assets here that the Chargers uh, like as key backups here for what could be a very high-powered offense here with Justin Herbert in year two. The Rams, of course, didn't play anyone of note. Matthew Stafford sat, as well as Herbert on the other side. But Xavier Jones did play. Daryl Henderson's the man. They're clearly protecting him as the... Potential feature back, replacing the injured Cam Akers, who really would have been that dominant touchback. But now, Xavier Jones uh, trying to make himself a name here as the number two. We know Daryl Anderson has just had his share of injury issues in his young career. But Xavier Jones clearly looks like the inside track here for the number two job for the other Los Angeles with the Rams. So Roundtree and Jones, two, guy we're looking, two guys we're looking at that can change the handcuff situation between Eckler and Henderson. The final game of the preseason weekend, week one, was on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. The Colts played the Panthers here. And not a lot to see from the Colts because Carson Wentz is on the shelf. Quentin Nelson is being uh, kind of rested until he gets fully healthy as well. So what we had was a lot of backups there for the Colts. We didn't see Jonathan Taylor either. Sam Ellinger looked pretty good. I know Jacob Eason made some nice throws coming in, the second-year quarterback there out of Washington, but he had Ellinger, the rookie six-round pick from Texas. They hinted at playing him quite a bit. He did play. He led the team in rushing. We know he's been a pretty good dual threat in his career at Texas. 
Looked pretty confident throwing the ball downfield as well. Ellinger had a lot of playing experience, played in a high-powered offensive system. So if Wentz has to miss time, I think it's pretty close between Ellinger and Eason. Ellinger, I think, gives you another element there with his running ability. He can play off the run and Taylor a little bit better, so they might go in that direction. The other side of this is Eason has the bigger arm to kind of uh, deploy to use uh, receivers like uh, Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton and help stretch the field a little bit. So do the Colts go with the complimentary guy who can run a little bit to support Taylor, or do they go with the big armor, big armed guy that can throw it a little downfield, play action, play off Taylor? So something to look at should Carson Wentz miss time. Again, no guarantees of that. The trend is that he should be ready for week one to make his Colts debut. Finally, the last thing we'll talk about, we didn't see the – Panthers' new quarterback, Sam Darnold. We didn't say Christian McCaffrey. We didn't see the principals here at all. So Matt Rule being very careful with his starters. So we did see two rookie backups have big games. Chuba Hubbard looked every bit the real deal. The Canadian sensation from Oklahoma State is the clear, definitive handcuff to Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, the insurance is there. Hubbard looked outstanding. So did Terrace Marshall Jr., if something were to happen to Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore, Marshall would have a big role. I still think he could have a key role in 11 personnel as the big slot. But keep in mind, you have to worry about McCaffrey catching pass as well as Anderson and Moore here. So something's going to have to happen there to shuffle things a little bit. But Terrace Marshall Jr. showed why the Panthers drafted him, despite being a bigger target, lean guy that kind of had some redundancy with Robbie Anderson's skill set because they think they can create some mismatches with Anderson and Marshall by lining them up in different formations. But Hubbard and Marshall, certainly impressive there. Good job by Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and the new GM, Scott Fitterer, to find both of these complementary players, offensive skill-wise, in the draft. There you have it, 27 uh, more fantasy football preseason takeaways from the teams that hadn't played yet. Now we've got all 32 teams in action, so a lot of big stuff coming here, the rest of the preseason, we're not going to focus too much on what we see in the games, but you do have to pay attention because they can tell you a lot of things that are happening and how they manifest from training camp in real live action. So always good to be on top of that. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by Uboard Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. This has been another episode of Lockdown Fantasy Football. Good way to start the week, getting in-depth on all the preseason takeaways for you here to open on a Monday. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll go in-depth in my ADP value picks, top steals by position. I'll break that down for you in full. You can check out the article, prepare for that on sportingnews.com. And don't forget, we're adding all this up to go live here with a live fantasy special on the Lockdown Network. So check us out there on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day. See you tomorrow with my steals list for 2021.